If you have your Bibles with you, let's open it to the book of Revelations. It's found in the last two uh, pages of the Bible. The first one is Revelation 21, 1-4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying and pain for the old order of things has passed away. And the second reading is Revelations 22, 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On its side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need a light or a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. This is the word of the so that means, uh, yeah, we, we read through the New Testament, all 27 books in six months. Uh, and if you were participating in that, well done. Uh, I found it a real blessing, and I'm sure you did as well. Uh, Leon mentioned last week that we are, in February, going to start off a new reading plan uh, that will go for two years. Uh, so it's a big commitment. Hopefully you're ready for that kind of a big commitment. Um, but it's to read through the Old Testament, all 39 books, uh, across two years. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that as well. That's the first thing I wanted to say, and um, the other one, I don't recall, so we'll get on with the sermon then. Um, it's that time of year where we sing, as we've already done, Christmas songs, and something that, that I find every time it comes to this year, this time of year, is that you're familiar with many of the words in a Christmas song, but then there are also words that you're like, what is that? I'm not really sure what that, what that means. Or, or maybe you have the words in your head, but they're not the same words that come up on the screen uh, because there's different versions and because if you're anything like me, um, you think that the national anthem was our land is dirt by sea uh, rather than girt by sea and things like that. That's just the kind of person I am. Terrible when it comes to song lyrics. Uh, but I thought I would start today uh, by playing a little game of can you finish that lyric uh, with these Christmas songs? And uh, I actually have some chocolates as prizes that I will give to you. Uh, if, that, if you weren't incentivized enough by the game, anyway, it's going to come up on the screen. Um, we have 
the first one, I think there's five of them altogether. So five opportunities to win. Is it there? It's slide number one. Oh, yeah, good question. Uh, if you know the answer, maybe pop your hand up. Pop your hand up. Or, I don't know, if you want to make a buzzing sound or something, like a game show, <laughs> you can do something like that. Are they not there, or they are there? Oh, no. What do I do? A song or a dance or something like that? I actually have no idea. Oh, I actually don't have it in front of me. So, like, oh, maybe it's on my... No, I don't have it in front of me. Devastating. Yes, it was. Could I make it up? I definitely can't make it up. Yeah, in the meantime... Uh... <laughs> Yeah. Now I'm even more on the spot. I've got no ideas, Stuart. Yeah, that's right. We'll do really easy ones. Well, silent. <laughs> Pearl and Maya both yelling. Yeah, good one. Um, no chocolate, unfortunately. These ones don't count. Uh, what else is there? Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. That's not the Jesus story either. It's like he didn't get silver and gold, and that's really good. Yeah, other bizarre song lyrics. This is a fun game. Let's do this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, uh, how are we going, Leon? Okay. All right. Here we go. Note to self, always have notes, just in case the slides don't work. Oh, yeah, here we go. With every Christmas card I write, by Bing Crosby. Uh, Sanchita jumped in first, so I'm going to give her the chocolate. What was it, sorry? Sorry, Karen, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's it, that's it. Well done. Good job. What's next? Mariah Carey for the young people, yes. <laughs> I mean, I said, and so Maya first. I'm sorry, Pearl. Underneath the Christmas tree. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Well done. Good job. What do we have? They know that Santa's on his way. He's got lots of toys and something. No, I said it. Lots of <laughs> on his sleigh. Yeah, Ed, what is it? Toys and what? There's a second part. Yes, Heidi? Yes, he has lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. I might just, can I, uh, look, uh, I'll see how we go. <laughs> Don't hit the camera. Oh, yay. 
Uh, very fun. Yeah, it was a good catch. I know my, my mum knew that one too. That was, this, that was the carol that was played in our house like all the time growing up. I love Nat King Cole. Uh, dancing and prancing in Jingle, Jingle Bell Square in the Pearl. Yeah, well done. Oh, did you? There you go. That's sister love. That's sister love. Um, that's it? Okay, good. Well, I wonder, so this is, you know, we, we, we grow familiar with these songs and we try to remember them at this time of year, even though we do only sing them typically once every 12 months. Uh, I'm going to look at today in my sermon, I want to look at one song in particular that I'm sure you're pretty familiar with, uh, but I want to explore this song and the way that it relates to our, our preaching theme at the moment, which is looking forward to Christmas. And if you've been here for the last few weeks, this idea of looking forward to Christmas, it's not, it's not meaning looking forward to, oh, sorry, looking forward to next Christmas. It doesn't mean looking forward to uh, Christmas 2021. It doesn't even mean looking forward to Christmas 2022. It means looking forward to the next coming of Jesus, the second advent of Jesus. That's what our sermon series has been exploring. So in the first week, Kieran had us thinking about the promise of Jesus' coming, his first coming and then his second coming. And he had us thinking about that question about whether Jesus has stood us up in the same way that Kieran got stood up probably numerous times when he was in high school. Uh, <laughs> and then last week we had Travis um, telling us about the first arrival of Jesus and the second arrival of Jesus and comparing them, what they'll be like. So the first one was inconspicuous. The next one will be obvious. The first one was in humility. The second one will be in glory. The first one was quiet and the second will be loud. And today we are thinking about the pur- purpose of Jesus's first coming and the purpose of Jesus's second coming. Why did Jesus come and why will he come again? And I want to use joy to the world as a way of answering those questions, uh, which is a song by Isaac Watts, if you're not familiar with it. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I was going to put the lyrics on the screen uh, in case you don't know them, but I'm sure you're fairly familiar. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Um, just to, to jog your memory a little bit, joy to the world. I'm sure you're very familiar with it. Okay. So why did Jesus come? Three things taken from the song, but supported by scripture. Jesus came to bring joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let heaven and nature sing because he has come to bring joy to the world. Let men their songs employ while fields, floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat their sounding joy. I've meant to put my Christmas hat on, actually. I'll put it on. It's exciting. Jesus has come to bring joy to the world. And this is what the Gospels tell us. At the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, the angel says to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And then in the Gospel of Luke, you read through it and joy comes up again and again and again. Joy, Jesus caused great joy in the lives of the disciples. They received his teaching, his teaching with joy. They were filled with joy when they saw the empty tomb. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven, we are told that the disciples returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And that's the final line of Luke's gospel. So from beginning to end, the life and ministry of Jesus brought joy to the world. Second thing, Jesus came to establish a kingdom. The song says, let earth receive her king. The Savior reigns. 
He rules the world with truth and grace. I always thought it was truth and peace, but there you go. You get it wrong sometimes. Um, Yeah, and the Bible says this too. Jesus is called the Messiah from the very first page of the New Testament. Now, the word Messiah, it means Christ. Christ and Messiah are two. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. uh, And they both mean anointed one, which ultimately that means the king. Jesus has come as the king. And Jesus preached the kingdom of God. Most commonly in his preaching, he he started his, his teachings by saying, the kingdom of God is like this or it's like that. And Jesus saw himself as the king of that kingdom. So Jesus, as the song suggests, has come to establish a kingdom. And then thirdly, Jesus has come to no more let sin and sorrow grow. I'll read the lyric to you. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing flow, far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found, uh, and so on and so on. I think like too many times, but that's what you get with Christmas carols. And the Bible says this too. The angel that visited Joseph in the, in the nativity story says, uh, Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Jesus will save his people from their sin. And then when you look at the ministry of Jesus, he makes his blessings flow on all people. He forgives the sins of people. He heals people of their diseases and of their disabilities. He restores the sight of the blind. There's even times where he undoes the curse of death. In fact, Jesus makes a way for all sin to be forgiven by becoming a curse for us. 1 Peter 2 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. So why did Jesus come? He came to bring joy to the world. He came to establish a kingdom. And he came so that no more sin and sorrow would grow. It's nice, isn't it? It's beautiful. The Christmas story is wonderful. I'm just going to change my hats for a moment from celebratory to cynic. Uh, And I'm going to invite you into my own inner dialogue. Because I hear those things and I go, that's wonderful. But I'm not sure that that is really speaking to my experience of life. So hear me out. Hear me out for a moment. Did Jesus really achieve all the things that joy to the world says he achieved? Let's go through those three things again. Jesus is bringing joy to the world. Heaven and nature sing. Let men their songs employ while fields, floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Is that really true? There's an emphasis in the song that all of creation is employing its song to its creator. But that's not what we hear when we read through the rest of the New Testament. Paul in Romans, he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right until this present time. That's not singing and repeating the sounds of joy. That's groaning, that's pain, the pain of childbirth. And it's not just heaven and nature who groan, but it's us too. We don't always feel joyful. 
It's not true that men are always employing their songs. We groan. In fact, the next verse of Romans chapter 8 says so. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirits, which, by the way, I'll remind you, one of them is joy. One of them is joy. But he says, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We groan inwardly. So while there is joy, and Jesus has brought joy, it's certainly not all-encompassing, and I think it falls short of what the song suggests. To establish a kingdom. Let earth receive her king, the song says. Well, the prophet Isaiah foretold that Jesus would not be received as a king. It's often quoted, but he was despised, speaking of Jesus, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. In fact, the crown that Jesus received wasn't a a crown of gold, as a king would receive. It was a crown of thorns. And the exaltation Jesus experienced wasn't to a throne, but actually to a cross, because he was rejected and spat at. Now, I know that you might say, well, Jesus rose again after that. And when he rose, he became the risen Lord Jesus. And that is true. He did become the risen Lord Jesus, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. But even then, Scripture still suggests that his throne has come, sorry, his kingdom has come, but it hasn't fully come. Let me read a verse from Hebrews. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father of God, and since that time he waits for his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. It's an inaugurated kingdom. The kingdom has begun, but it's not a consummated kingdom. It's not like Jesus waits for his enemies to be made a footstool at his feet. It's hardly what you would call ruling the earth with truth and grace. And thirdly, the song says that he came to no more let sin and sorrow grow. Now, let me remind you of the lyrics. No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. Now, like the song, the the, the verse I quoted from Peter earlier said, Jesus has come to deal with sin, and he has dealt with it. The The penalty of sin has been wiped away, and through the resurrection of Jesus, we know that as Christians filled with the Spirit, we can live a life that overcomes sin. We know that from Scripture. But I don't think the song is accurate. It it, it overreaches in the way it describes that. While sin has been forgiven through the cross, the presence of sin in my life is still very real, and I'm sure that you know that experience too. We struggle against sin because sin is still present. And his blessing has flowed as far as the curse is found, It's true that Jesus' blessing has flowed and continues to flow, but it hasn't yet flowed as far as the curse is found. Uh, Those people who died, who Jesus raised from the dead, they died again. And when they died again, sorrow prevailed. The curse and the thorn grow, growing, sorry, the thorn, the curse and the thorn growing in the ground, they are very, very much still with us. And so are sin and sorrow. That's my experience of life, and I'm sure it's your experience too. Now, many of you are sitting there. Let me take this hat off now. And you're like, what is Daniel doing? (laughs) 
is ruining a good song, and he's preaching a very, very unedifying sermon. <laughs> what is going on with this song? Have I just ruined a good Christmas song for you? You probably think that I have. Was Isaac Watts the guy who wrote it? Was he just overly optimistic and perhaps maybe even a little bit deluded about Jesus? Well, I actually don't think that I have ruined a good Christmas song for you. But I have pointed out that what that song is about is not last Christmas. That song, Joy to the World, that's about next Christmas. In fact, it was always meant to be about next Christmas. It's about the second coming of Jesus, not the first coming of Jesus. Isaac Watts, let me tell you a little bit about the author. So he grew up, he's from, um, well, the song was written in 1718. Uh, So he's, you know, a few hundred years ago. And he grew up in a church where they only sung hymns. Sorry, they only sung psalms in the church. And for, for Isaac Watts, he found that really discouraging because he said when he looked at the faces of the other people in church while they sung psalms, He saw just apathy, dull indifference, he called it. There's actually a quote. He says, To see the dull indifference, the the negligent and thoughtless air that sits upon the faces of the whole assembly while the psalm is upon their lips, it might even tempt a charitable observer to suspect the fervency of their inward religion. Basically saying, (laughs) when we see people sing at church, it makes us doubt whether any of this is actually true at all because they're just so dull in the way they sing it. So Isaac Watts set about writing songs based on Scripture that captured the people's emotions and it made their hearts sing. That's what he wanted to do. And this song, Joy to the World, was written based on Psalm 98. Psalm 98. He wrote this song based on Psalm 98, which is a psalm about the day when God will come to judge the earth. And on that day, all of creation will sing. This is what it says. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and with the sound of singing, with trumpets and with the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound. And everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands and the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in equity. That's what joy to the world is about. It's about the second coming of Jesus. It was never meant to be a Christmas song about Jesus' first coming. It's about the final coming and the consuming coming of our Lord Jesus at the end. So the question might be in your minds, well, how did this become a Christmas song? It was never written to be a Christmas song. It just became one. Uh, And I think it actually comes down to the first line and the tense that's used. (laughs) The tense of the first line is, uh, joy to the world, the Lord is come. And so people read that and go, oh, it must be talking about what, what already happened. Uh, But then if you keep reading the the song, you'll see that that's actually, that's not what the song was written about. But I actually, on the other hand, I do think it's understandable that this song gets treated as a Christmas song, as a song about last Christmas. Because, like I showed you from those Bible verses, Jesus did come to bring joy. He did come to establish a kingdom. And he did come to deal with sin and with sorrow. 
But ultimately, these are just glimpses that Jesus gave of what next Christmas will be like. He just gave us a taste of what next Christmas will be like. So the relationship between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus is a little bit like the relationship between a movie trailer and the feature film. Now, this analogy is not perfect, but actually, personally, I find this really helpful. A trailer gives you a taste of what that movie is going to be like. It enti- the idea of a trailer is that ent- it gives you a, a, a small taste, an enticing taste of the full feature. It gives you the vibe, maybe it gives you something of the key scenes and maybe some of the best jokes. Uh, but then the trailer ends, and hopefully, if the trailer has done its job, you are desperate for that movie. And that's what the first coming of Jesus was like. We get a glimpse of the joy that Jesus will bring ultimately when he comes into our world again. We get a a glimpse of what the kingdom of God looks like and what life under a king like Jesus looks like. And we get the forgiveness of our sins. It's It's an enticing taste. And if it does its job properly, it leaves us desperate for the final and consuming coming of Jesus. It's left us hungry for next Christmas. And we are given a promise from God that from a God who has been nothing but faithful to his promises that that day will come. That day will come. Uh, at the beginning of, of 2020, before you know, COVID and, and lockdown and everything started, there were some movie trailers that I had seen and I was actually really expectant for the films to be released. I don't know if anyone else had this experience. I'm I'm way into movies. But as lockdown hit, uh, cinemas shut, and a lot of those release dates were pushed back. And then they were pushed back again. And then they were pushed back again. And it was this really frustrating experience where you were waiting for something, but they just kept moving the goalposts, and they kept going back and back and back. But that is not what is going to happen with the day of the Lord. God has set this day in his mind. And it will come. He is faithful to his word and to his promises. That day will come. And on that day, there will no more be sin and sorrow. And because he will wipe every tear from our eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or sorrow or pain, because the old order of things will pass away. And on that day, the ground will no longer produce thorns. But the tree of life will produce fruit every month of the year. And on that day, the curse will be no more, as the leaves of the trees will be for the healing of the nations. On that day, he will reign and we will experience the blessing of his truth and grace as his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. And on that day, the fields and the floods, the rocks, the hills and the plains, they will sing too as Jesus comes to make all things new. No more will creation groan inwardly. The, birth, the, the, births of child, the, the pains of childbirth will give way to new life. And on that day, we, we will sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. And my invitation to you today is to believe that that will come. So I'm going to invite the band up and we are going to sing 
joy to the world. So the band, can you make your way up on stage? And I want to invite you, as we sing this song right now, I want to invite you to sing it in the way that Isaac Watts wanted us to sing it. Not with dull indifference, not so that people suspect whether we think it's true or not, but I invite you to sing this as if this is your creed, that one day the Lord will come and on that day all of the wrong in the world will be made right because God is faithful to his promise. Let's sing.